Thank you for checking out our message here at Public Church. We exist to develop a public church that invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. We want to make you aware of how we can better connect with you through our website, publicchurch.net. Through this, you can find out more about us as a church. We hope that you enjoy this message. We have just come through the rebranding series. We've added a 530 gathering. We have a, a new name. We feel like God has, has given us, has, helps define who we are and gives us clarity, motivation, and focus. Um, and so we are, we're, we're going to do a glimpse on the book of Psalms. So if you've read through the book of Psalms, you know there's 150 chapters, and we just don't, aren't going to be able to cover all of those chapters. We're going to give you a, a glimpse over the next three weeks into the book of Psalms. We have some goals for this series. One, we want the Psalms to be used for you to connect with God. Is anybody like me in here that um, you just sort of fall into the routine of saying the same prayers over and over again? You're like, dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for this food. Blessed to the nourish my body, my body to your service. In Jesus' holy precious name, amen. You know, you ever do that? Or maybe you're like me and you, um, you do those fill-in-the-blank prayers too. You know, like, God, thank you for, and you really don't have something in mind you're going to say, but you're just like, thank you for um, today. And I, I love you so much because you're, you're just awesome. You're, that's it. You're awesome. And so, you know what I mean? We... So the Psalms really give some content to your worship, and that's what they're intended for, uh, for worship. And so, for example, you're going to come to a Psalm, and you're gonna, you can use this to pray for yourself. You can use it to pray for your family or for, for people uh, in far distant places. Um, it's kind of redundant, far distant. So if, uh, for example, even though I'm walking through this valley of shadow of death, God, help me not to fear evil. I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So using scripture to pray. So that's one goal of this series. Another goal is to reassure you that you are not alone in your situations and in your circumstances. Sometimes we say things like, nobody gets it. You know, I can't talk to anybody about it. Uh, Nobody understands how I feel. People will look at me different. But the benefit of looking at the Psalms, as Todd Stevenson will say, is that you're getting to look in someone's diary or their journal. In this raw emotion or maybe of praise or, or desperation, we get to read it on the page right in front of us. And, uh, and we get to identify with that. And because of that, we want you to be able, to, another goal is for you to be able to connect with others in community, to share that with others. So that's why we are putting a heavy emphasis even this morning on community groups. If you are not involved in a community group, get involved in an in-home Bible study. You will find that you will have great joy being able to share your life with others around God's word. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. What needs exist in your life right now? Where do you need God to come through for you? What miracle? If God would do a miracle, where do you need that miracle right now? Maybe everything's going great and you're in that honeymoon phase of life, but maybe you just need a miracle. Of course, he's much wiser to know exactly what we need and what's good for us. But do we believe that God delights in every detail of our life? Somebody sent me a text this morning, uh, uh, Psalm 3723, to say, and I think it's in the message version or maybe New Living, it says, God delights in every detail of our lives. It was somebody at the 930. Because what I really want us to look at in Psalms 23, you can turn there or you can click there, in your, in your Bible app, what I want us to look at in Psalm 23 
is that God delights to meet our needs. God delights to meet our needs. Sometimes we get the idea that God is only concerned about giving us a bus ticket to heaven. Forgiving your sin and, well, you're in and there you go. You just go live the rest of your life and, and good luck. Here's the Bible. Um, and he doesn't care much for much else. But no, he, he cares for everything. I mean, you know, I'm pulling into Walmart and I'm thinking, God, I got three kids in the back seat. I need, I need an aisle close to the buggy return. If somebody doesn't want to get hit with a flying buggy, will you please give me a, a buggy return um, parking spot? And God opens door for that. I mean, you know, just little things. He cares about our needs for refreshment and motivation, uh, for comfort, for peace, even for financial provisions. When I was first married, my wife and I moved into uh, Lee University. I was an RD over there. Uh, I still am. Um, boomeranged back. Um, so I was an RD and had a furnished apartment, and we loved to have people in our apartment to, uh, to have over for dinner. But the only problem was our table was about this big, literally. And so it, it, it was maybe that, that wide. And eight people sitting around that kind of table gets a little squished, you know. Um, so we just started praying for a table. And we were newly married. We don't have a lot of money. And, uh, and we started shopping around for tables. You know, tables are expensive. Tables are, you know, you go buy a new table. They're, man, upwards of five, six, seven, eight hundred. I, I don't have the money for that. I'm just trying to put gas in the car. Um, so we start praying, and an envelope is pushed underneath our door, and uh, four $100 bills are in the envelope, and a note says, you can't outgive God. And we didn't tell anybody that. And we just thought, wow, God cares about something like a wooden table. Now, if it were up to me, I'd just put two two-by-fours, four four-by-fours, and put a, put a piece of plywood and a tablecloth over it, nobody would know. But, um, but God delights to meet our needs in every season of life. And that's what we're going to find in, the, in Psalms 23. You're going to find a, a really great season. I call it the honeymoon season. You're going to find a really bad season, the dark night of the soul. You're going to find another season where people are against you. The, all these seasons, God delights to meet your needs. It's almost as if you read Psalms 23 and God is just saying, tell them how good I am. Tell them how good I am. So let's discover that together. Let's read Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Let's stay here just for a second. This is the only graphic I wanted to have up here for this particular song, but this psalm, because I felt like this graphic of the communion table is a picture of the fulfillment of this in some way. That God prepared a table before the enemies of death and sin and overcame and gave us abundance. Let's keep going. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as we read this psalm, the first three verses you notice, things look really good. Things look really good. It reminds me of Louis Armstrong's song, 
Icy trees of green, red roses too. Cody doesn't give me a spot on the, on the worship team. So, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. He makes me. Hey, this is for your good. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. So you see that, that God in this psalm, all the way from beginning to end, God is doing all the work. And every response of the psalmist, David, the writer, he's just saying, this is how I'm responding. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't lack anything. He's with me. He comforts me. I'm not going to fear. Surely goodness and mercy follow me. I'm just going to dwell in his house forever. There's actually no command in this psalm, which I find very interesting. There's not a command to do, do, do. It's just this is who God is. And you're missing out if you're missing him. So notice that God is the one doing all the work. It's God serving us. It's God providing for us, protecting us, disciplining us, guiding us, making us look good in front of our enemies, pursuing us with relational intentions, goodness and mercy. He is our shepherd and we do not lack anything. Jesus uses the same language in John 10 when he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. And by the way, when you think of a shepherd, this is, this is tender image. You know, those who gently coddle the, the newborns of the sheep or, or those who are um, gently guiding or, or even disciplining strength. You get the idea of tender affection in this psalm, a very uh, fatherly, pastoral sort of uh, motherly, nurturing kind of psalm. Um, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. He says it again in verse 14. I know my own and my own know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. And in verse 27, he says this. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So notice here, even in these verses, Jesus is doing all the work and Jesus did all that is necessary in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his intercession for you, his praying for you at the right hand. He does everything necessary to destroy the power of sin and death for you and I to enjoy the riches and pleasures of a relationship with God, an eternal, forever, not temporal, relationship with God. The only response we see in the psalm and, in, and, uh, and even in John when we looked at there is that my sheep follow me. He knows what's best. We recognize that the shepherd knows what's best. He's the one who finds among the desert area, finds the best, the best uh, pasture to, to eat in. He's the one that instead of leading us to um, rushing streams of water, finding gentle streams, he is the one who, help, who helps us. I tell my kids, you know, when they're wanting to disobey, I say, if you obey, it goes good with you. If you disobey, it's going to go bad with you. Now, they never listen to me. I wish they did, but they don't. But I want you to conduct a science experiment in regards to following God's way this week. Go and do everything you want to do. Go and do everything you want to do. Whatever your heart says to do, whatever you feel you deserve or entitled to, just go and do it. 
and then come back and tell me how that's working out for you. Tell me how satisfied you are in life and how the most important relationships you are you have are affected. I got a little prediction. I don't think it's going to go well. I don't think it's going to go well. So God, when he gives us commands in scripture, when he gives us his word, when he shows us who he is as his character and asks us to trust him and follow him, it's because he knows what's best and it's for our good. So if you just take some, some of these short snippets out of the book of Ephesians in the Bible, some commandments like just give thanks always and for everything. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Or even uh, be content with what you have. Or even some relationship commands that God gives like this. Husbands, love your wives selflessly like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Or wives, submit and respect to your husbands as unto the Lord. Or children, obey your parents. Or employees, work as if Jesus is your boss. I'm summarizing. Bosses, treat your employees with respect because you have a boss in heaven. See, God gives us these things to follow because he knows how human flourishing works best. God knows how to make us fully come alive. And get this, when we are fully alive, God is most glorified. He is not glorified when his people are like, man, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah. Get the kids in the car. You know, no, he is, he is glorified when we are fully alive in, in him. It's almost like you're watching your kids open presents on uh, Christmas Day, right? You get the joy of seeing that. So the application that we see in these first three verses is really just live a life of joyful obedience to him. Sometimes obedience has like a dirty word, seems like a dirty word. It's not, it's not really creative. You know, it's not giving me like free spirit. But it, it is... What God calls us to, joyful obedience, because he knows how to make us come alive. He knows what's going to make us flourish. He knows, and we can, trust, we can trust the shepherd. And then, after the honeymoon phase of verses 1 through 3, life happens. Just hits you in the face, hits you in the gut. You get that phone call you never wanted to get. Maybe that law firm sent you a letter in the mail, or your kid wakes you up at 2 a.m. and says, Dad, there's a police officer outside that wants to talk to you. You can ask my mom about that one. She wasn't particularly happy. Um, or your wife happens to get the flu this week during one of the busiest weeks of the year. Or maybe the oncology report you get gives you those terrible words, but too familiar, it's cancer. Life just hips you in the gut. It's like a below-the-belt punch. And it's not really fair. Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 73 and the struggle that that psalmist has with life. But here, this, this psalmist takes a different approach, or at least in reflection. He takes a different approach. He says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death can also be translated, some of your translations have this, deep darkness. Scholars say that this word, means impenetrable gloom or darkness. It's like the thing that you wouldn't want or wish on your worst enemy. When you're walking through that valley of deep darkness, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil. As you do that, I don't know. I, that's not me. I will fear no evil. But this is why. 
He says, you're with me. You're with me. If you take some time this week and read through uh, the story of Joseph in the Bible, probably many of you are familiar with it in Genesis 37 to 50. Joseph goes through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And this phrase pops up after every tragedy he walks through. But the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him. Sometimes we get the idea that if things go wrong in life, I must have displeased God. I made him mad, you know, my, this is the result of my sin, you know. Or so, you know, just know that in your deep darkness, God's with you. In those times in life that you just can't seem to go through, God, God is with you. He says this, that his rod and his staff, they comfort you. The, the things that God uses to protect, discipline, and guide you. And obviously, this person needed comfort. So it's not that they didn't fear at all, but they didn't let fear control them. I want us to watch a modern-day Joseph story, if you will. Uh, one of our members, uh, Jill McElwire, she's here today, and she has walked through trial um, in the past year and really even previously, and it's just come back around. And, and even this past week, got news about, uh, about her dad, uh, what her dad's walking through. So we're going to watch a uh, video interview with, uh, with Jill um, sharing about her story. Well, y'all love on Jill when you see her, okay? She is uh, walking, definitely walked through a trial, and thank you, Jill, for being willing to share that story. By the way, I did not tell her to s anything about Psalm 23. That was, uh, that was definitely a God thing. But when you're facing a dark night season of the soul, you know, you've left the honeymoon phase of life, and then life happens, remember that God's with you. You don't need a whole lot of to-dos. You just need to remember that he's with you. Yes, keep your eyes on him. Keep following him as your good shepherd, but yeah, just remember that he's with you. And then we get into verse 5, where the psalmist seems to have a Frodo season. Y'all know Frodo, right? Lord of the Rings. The, the thing about Frodo is everybody's against him, right? Like you think somebody's for him and fighting for him, and all of a sudden like some sort of power of the ring, um, you know, draws them to be against him. So here, here the psalmist says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, when I was uh, 19 years old, uh, I was asked to be a pastor of a small church, country church in Madisonville, Tennessee. Um, it was a part of a conference of churches, and the guy who oversaw the conference was retiring. He was just plugging college students in where, and I was really young, and and um, in my faith, I was, I'd only been a Christian just a few years, and I didn't know how to lead myself and sure didn't know how to lead people. But uh, for some reason, he put me in there. And, um, but one thing I did get right is I did love, I did love the people. Um, well, one day, um, I was invited over to a guy's house. And uh, let me back up just a second to say that these people really took a lot of pride in their building. They had renovated the downstairs area, recarpeted it, refloored it, had, had done a lot of uh, updates to the downstairs area, put a new wheelchair ramp in and all this. They were really excited about their, about their building. Well, I, the, uh, one of the head guys, it was sort of, um, it was a smaller church and like the patriarch of the church. His son invited me over, went over to his house, he played guitar, and we had a good time and talked. And during that time I was talking to him, I said to him, hey, let me ask you a question. Are you real satisfied in life? Are you happy with where you're at? And he did this. How dare you come in my house and ask me that question? How dare you 
judge me. How dare you? Obviously, he wasn't very happy. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was, I, I couldn't say anything. It was a knife in my heart, and like somebody just twisted it around, and I got in my car and left, and I went to the building and, and prayed and, and cried out to God. And, and not only that, his dad called me later, the patriarch of the church, asking me what I was doing, talking to his son about if he was satisfied in life. And I'm thinking, what are pastors supposed to do? <laughs> you know? Um, but anyway, I just let God defend me. I let God defend me. And you know, funny thing is, the next day, a pipe burst in the bottom stairs of the, of the building. You know, whether it was God or not, it just find, it found it funny that the events happened at the same time, and I, they never said another word to me. And I just, you know, we have to give up the right to get even. St. Augustine said, Lord, deliver me from always having to vindicate myself in the eyes of others. God knows how to set a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Don't worry about getting right or getting even. Just let, just let him do it. Last, the psalm says this, Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word follow can actually be translated pursue, so God's relational intentions and all the benefits of knowing him, he is pursuing you. And the whole goal is this, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, not to have everything in life. You know, the lush pastures of green, the still waters, all that's nice, but really the goal is to know and enjoy God and to share in his mission. You know, life is, gets so busy sometimes that we don't, have, we don't set aside time just to relax and spend with God. Too often our world doesn't slow down enough just to commune. And I'm the worst at this. And I work a 24-hour residential job, and so I've got to keep my phone on me all the time, so it's really hard to unplug and unwind to spend time with God. But this week's our spring break, and I did that. And you, it might sound a little childish or corny, but I felt like the Lord led me to our bridge back here in the, on the backside of our, our property just to sit there in a sunny day, read through Psalm 23, pray for you, watch the squirrels kind of play and the, the bluebirds and the American robins. And I think a couple crows thought I was dead because they were calling at me. Um, but read through Psalm 23. And I walked away amazed how refreshed and revived I was just for 20 minutes. You know, if you're in the car on the way to work, get there five minutes early and just sit. Open the word. Maybe I'll click to it on your phone. Or maybe right before... Um, you're going to do the dishes. You're like, let me just take a couple minutes and thank God for the food that we had today. Or just finding moments throughout the day to unplug and unwind and commune with God. So band, if you'll come on up as we close here. There's a few takeaways I want us to, to, to live out this week. And remember that God is pursuing you from your, for your goodness, for his good, for your good and his glory. That God delights to meet your needs. God delights to meet your needs. So let's practice a few things this week. One, let's practice trust by being joyfully obedient in his leading. Two, let's practice contentment and gratitude in every season of life. Whether you're um, in the honeymoon phase of life and things are going really good or you're in the deepest, darkest place in life where you're, everybody seems to be against you phase, 
whatever you're faced, practice contentment and gratitude because God is at work, even if you can't see him. Practice remembering that God is with you. I think Jill said on the video, it, it, you do have to train your brain to think this way. Ask the Spirit to remind you that God is with you. And also practice getting away for a few moments during the day while reflecting on the fact that God delights to meet your needs. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being our shepherd. We thank you that we don't lack a thing. We thank you, God, that you're with us, that you, you benefit us in so many ways. And I pray that, Lord, you would rip away and tear away the misconceptions in our hearts that, that you're just ready to punish us. Or, or, um... But, Lord, you know what's good for us, even in the darkest night. I pray that, God, you would help us learn to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.